glass, ice, pour. Hello, friends, and welcome to Whiskey and Rye. I am very happy to be welcoming to the show today from all the way across the pond, Maria French. Maria, thanks so much for being here today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Ryan. So you have made the move recently to rugby England, correct? <laughs> yes. Middle England. Yeah. Middle England. Uh-huh. So yeah. being, are you from Southern California? Where are you from originally? Oh, gosh. I was born and raised in New York. That's what, Okay. So you're an East Coaster. Then yeah, you came, spent a lot of time on the West Coast. Now you're in England. So yeah, how, how yeah. is that? And how is that? A couple of places in between yeah. um, as well. Um, it, it's it's okay, other than the fact <laughs> that we are extremely locked down. Yeah. Um, it's nothing, like nothing is open. Yeah. So, and you actually, there are actually new laws and fines and jail time and all sorts of things in place for people who don't abide wow. by the new restrictions. So we've been in lockdown for a month. Man. We're going to be in lockdown for at least a few more, like very that serious. That really sucks. Time. Yeah, that really sucks. Yeah. Well, yeah. that sucks. Uh, but that would suck f- more for a lot of people if they weren't in your situation. You're in kind of a unique situation because you just got married. So yes, being I'm locked down, <laughs> yeah, being locked down with someone right now, eh, probably not that bad, you know, because uh, you it's seem to bad, relatively like this new person. Uh, so uh, so I'm, I'm happy to have you on the show to talk about love, not because you just got married, but um, because I think the topic of love you know, this time of year, we're right around Valentine's Day. Uh, this time of year is really uh, love is something that we talk about. And, you know, you're someone who digs into topics from a philosophical level and uh, and kind of looks at things from a lot of different areas. And so I would love just to kick off a conversation about love um, and, and maybe just, you know, even start with like, how did you feel like even me just reaching out to me like, Hey Maria, you want to have a conversation about love? Like we know each other. Right. But like, that's a little bizarre, right? Like, you know, why would I, why would I want to talk with you about love? Like I maybe even just kind of like, yeah, this kind of made me feel this way, but um, maybe we'll get to there, but uh, you know, just kind of starting out thinking, you know, just love in general, you know, I would love to hear your, just your thoughts on, on just the topic of love in general, just to kind of get us going. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny because um, you know, by way of, my work and my career and what I do, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a theologian. I'm a post theist. I do a lot within the realm of Christianity, Christianity, post Christianity, all of these things. But for whatever reason, this topic of love has been coming up quite a bit in talks that I've given over the past year and interviews that I've done and, and, you know, podcasts similar to this one. So it's a good thing because I feel like people are doing work more at the intersections and they're really asking how, this piece of life engages with that piece of life. And they're not keeping things that make us human so siloed anymore, especially something like love that is so central to everything that we are and, and the core of life and just the center of all things. Um, you know, one thing that my co-creator of the work that I do and I say all the time is that everything is theological. So you can't just say, okay, we do theology here and then we do this here in this box and this here in this box. And love is the same way. Everything is really... <laughs> Yeah. about love um, and kindness um, and moving more towards the other and more away from yourself. And as we do that, we actually get closer into ourselves. Um, 
I read a quote actually on Russell Brand's Instagram today. I think he was quoting St. Teresa of Avila. And uh, he, uh, the quote was something like, you know, we cannot conceive of heaven uh, whatsoever unless we journey kind of deep into ourselves. Mm. Um, and so, you know, when you, when you think about heaven, when you think about the self, when you think about the other, it's all wrapped up in this idea of love yeah. um, and what the greatest love is. So it's all interconnected and, and I love it. Um, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love talking about that now. Yeah. It's, it's, it's great. Yeah. Well, no, it's funny because you referenced your, the co your co-creator, you call him co-creator, your co-creator, the partner that you took. I call fixing. him a lot of things. Yeah. He's my best friend. He's the partner yeah. of the work I do. We create everything together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, you're talking about Barry, Barry Taylor. I who am. We just yeah. had that on the show recently um, and you yeah. guys do work together. Um, but what we were talking about, <laughs> Barry and I were talking about swearing. Uh, I know. Which is He's a great we're, person to engage with. Oh man. And I didn't even know... I just, I knew he would be a great person because he's just so smart about everything, but I had no idea he actually taught classes on this at, at, uh, yeah, at uh, art center, which anyway, beautiful. But we talked about swearing as a shared experience and I think love is a shared experience as well, right? It's something that we all can experience, right? It's something that we all, uh, have, have had a, a, an opportunity to feel or interact with at some point in our life. So that's why it is it is so beautiful. What I think is so fascinating though is how we are really just obsessed with this idea of finding true love, finding our yeah. one true love, you know, and uh for me growing up in a in a I would say relatively heavy evangelical background, you know, a young man uh, in youth group, it was like, you know, you got to find your one true love, the one that God has planned for you. Right. So this idea of love was in, in me was always kind of like, I got to find something. I'm always seeking for something. It wasn't really about an experience, which I think, man, if I would have been given that, uh, that, that, uh, information or that instruction to experience love, as opposed to try to go find it through another person, I wonder how much differently I would perceive love now. I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, that's, I mean, you bring up some really great points because I, like you also came of age in a very evangelical charismatic setting. Yeah. So not only are you, you know, being taught to go and seek love or that love will find you and that you're just kind of this passive person in this process. Um, but, you know, purity culture and yeah. really harmful sexual ethics are all mixed up in that conversation. And you just, you get really confused yeah, <laughs> and it's very right? chaotic and it's very abusive actually. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's mm -hmm. shaming and it's super damaging. And, you know, I, I actually, um, I speak a lot on, on religious and Christian sexual ethics. Mm. Um, and it is something that it's one of those things that haunts more than most doctrines as people are trying to sort of come out of that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when you're, when you're thinking about love and you're growing up in that kind of Christian setting, it really mirrors kind of Disney fairy tale experience. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, yeah. you know, you, you actually don't even have to be a Christian to kind of, you know, buy into that narrative. You, you either have to be a Christian or you have to be like a Disney watcher. And most people are <laughs> right. maybe yeah. falling in one of those groups. But, you know, it is this very simple, there is that one person there out for you, um, out there for you and mm -hmm. find that one. And there's just so much pressure in that. It, it's a paralyzing pressure because mm -hmm. if you if you don't find that person or if that person doesn't find you if you make a choice and you start to fall in love and then you're thinking well this is the one for me and it just you can never you and it, it 
makes an enemy of our own tuition and mm. kind of our own feelings in the process because we can't trust their intuition because our intuition has nothing to do with it because there is a predetermined objective mm-hmm. one out there. It's mm-hmm. just layered with problems. Yeah, there's there's so many layers of problems. And, and I heard you give a great talk one time about neuroplasticity. And I'd be interested mm-hmm. to know, um, you know, when you have this sort of repeat pattern of behavior where you're not trusting your own intuition, what sort of things does that do to us mentally? Like, how, do, like, what does that do to our brains, you know, if we start to do that for just a couple of years, especially during this really formative time in our lives? Yeah. Um, well, a very simple answer to this is therapy. I think. Yeah, please give us more, a simple answer because yeah, I, I, I can't handle like the medulla <laughs> we'll have with this. Like, no, I can't handle that. Please don't give us that. Please just give us like, like the bite size answer. Yeah, sorry. I should have prefaced yeah. that a little bit better. No. You don't no, have to give the, us the scientific reasoning behind it. What I'm well, more so in know, is like, it fucks us yeah. up. How do we, how do we unfuck yeah. us up, essentially? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I answer, yeah. 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 So, so a couple of things. Uh, the first thing is, uh, definitely I I will go with my first answer, which is therapy. I think Mm -hmm. that, and and we're going to go down like a very cool philosophical route and we'll talk about plasticity, but I do want to really raise up the issue of mental health in this conversation um, because I've just seen way too many people go to really dark places and not get the mental health and attention that they need Mm -hmm. to address some of their trauma surrounding these things. And um, you know, so anything I can do to kind of lift the stigma and have people see therapy as a vitamin more than a mm-hmm. kind of medicine. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes we do need it as medicine, but I mean, everybody should be in therapy on a regular basis. Life is tough and it's fucked up and it's complex. And totally. <laughs> we all yeah. need help, totally. right? Especially if you're coming out of, there's actually this, this new field that's opening up and I'm very interested right now. And I have some, I have my hands in a few projects going in this direction, but, um, this whole new field in psychology known as religious trauma syndrome and it addresses oh, these kinds wow. of things. Yeah. yeah. So and it's, it's a huge thing in in therapy and psychology right now. Anyway, so that's the first thing I want to say. I want to lift up the mental health piece. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Um but yeah in terms of plasticity and our brain and the narratives that are built in our brain, you know, it's it's very interesting. So there's a philosopher by the name of Shreko Orvat. I don't know if you've Heard of him? He is a Croatian philosopher, and he studied under Zizak. He's good friends with Zizak, and I think pretty sure he's a mentor. Zizak's the mentor of of Horvat. And um, actually hung out with Treko over a year ago in Utrecht, in Holland. I was there for a conference, and he was speaking. It was really cool. I felt so like wow, creepy. yeah. I was in like yeah, this bar amazing. late at night with a bunch of people with him. Anyway, he's got a bunch of books out. He's a young guy. He's younger than me. He's in his early thirties, I think. And um, he's. Uh, came out with a book a few years ago called The Radicality of Love. And his whole thesis was based on Arthur Rimbald's, you know, as we know it, love needs reinventing. And so he kind of lays out love in like all of these different contexts and all of these, you know, political and economic schemas and philosophy and literature and like within the world. And he says in the beginning of the book, the worst thing that can happen to love is habit. Mm, and that it's just this fixed point on this map and that we just keep going kind of around and around in a circle and Mm -hmm. it never reinvents itself and it's never radicalized and um he says that love needs two things it needs to be in a dialectic relationship between dynamicism which um 
or that defines as constant reinvention, right? Just that dynamic nature of change and movement. Um, and also fidelity to that first moment, you know, that genesis and that inception of love when we first felt that. Um, and he, 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 he calls that, that first moment or the fidelity to that first moment, he defines that first moment as the fatal and unexpected crack in the world. Mm, wow. Um, and I love that. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, a rom-com that came out. I don't know. It's probably like early, early, early 2000s with um, Gerard Butler and Hilary Swank. It was called P.S. I Love You. Yeah. And mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. So one of the re- reoccurring themes in that movie was the main guy, Gerard Butler's character, Jerry, constantly telling Hilary Swank, his wife, um, you know, you've, you've got to wait for that moment that just like splits your life open in two and that, you know, that, oh, you just can't forget it. That just, he, he uses a mm-hmm. phrase I can't remember. And, and this is, I'm just kind of off the top of my head. So I should have made maybe a note if I had remembered in advance, but I wanted to cite that movie, but it's, it's that fatal and unexpected crack in the world and like holding the tension of the fidelity to that moment while keeping that moment also as the rocket that shoots us into orbit Mm -hmm. of that dynamic nature of love. So, and he says love is a lot like revolution in terms of when it stops reinventing its presuppositions, then it's just simply a reaction and a regression. Yeah. So I don't know, love, love the way he describes it should be super subversive, but always loyal to that, that moment where it just kind of split your world open as well. Um, but I, I don't want to sort of paint this picture of like, well, we should always be experiencing kind of firecrackers and, right. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> right. Shooting right. Stars. I don't actually think that's what he means. I do think um, that he he does mean to talk more about kind of a disruption in the usual running of things. Yeah, you know, and and in that way, it subverts those moments, even when sometimes the moments are maybe a little bit mundane. Right. It's it's that absolute loyalty to keeping it going but not in a way that forms habit, but in a way that makes it new, which is a biblical theme as well. As yeah, it, yeah. That's yeah. what I was going to say. Like, this all sounds yeah. very, like, scripture-based too, you know? Yeah. And, and when I think about that moment of pure love, I think part of what I um, was misinterpreting from the scripture, and again, mm-hmm. kind of like trying to find that love through someone else, I think that moment of pure love from what I interpret the scripture as, is when you find out that true love for yourself. You know, when yeah. I when I read Mark and I hear Jesus talking to the disciples about certain things, I, I really think at the end of the day, he's telling them to go inside themselves and find their value from within. Don't find your value in hanging out with me. Don't find your value in how many miracles you would do or do not perform really finds your value in the fact that you're a good-ass person who made a sacrifice <laughs> and is, is really just loving other people. And I think when I hear you talk about, you know, the, those, those, um, those, those philosophers talking about that moment where you, you almost like peer into something, you know, as opposed to we think of love as this fireworks and all this stuff. It, it, what I hear those philosophers saying is it's actually the opposite of that, where you're almost encountering this thing where you're like, 
is this really, oh, it is. And then you, you sort of open up into it and it's actually kind of peaceful, you know? <laughs> Whereas I think in, in America, we've put our obsession with love um, to be around this rush. You know, you, you talked about a rocket that propels us up. Um, I think we get obsessed with hanging on to that rocket, right? Where yeah. sometimes- the rocket's supposed to drop. <laughs> right, exactly. That's exactly it. It's supposed it. to drop off. Yeah. Exactly. The yeah. rocket is only a temporary means to, yeah. to, to, to an end where you are, are really trying to just move yourself into this experience of just feeling peaceful and feeling serene and feeling yeah. um, accepting, accepting yeah. of yourself. Yeah. And love does that. I mean, love should hold us, mm-hmm. you know, even when life around us is chaotic and we don't know which way is up, you know, we should still have that abiding and enduring peace. Exactly. Um, you know, that, that is love. There, there's another philosopher, um, Alain Badu, uh, you know, well-known French philosopher, and he's, he's got this, this little book called In Praise of Love that I think maybe came out like 10 or so years ago. And it's interesting, he starts um, his book with the same premise that Orvet started with, which is, um, you know, love needs to be reinvented. And, you know, he talks about, he opens the book with how love is under threat and in our modern world. So he kind of, you know, engages critically with online dating apps and, you know, dating concierges and like all of this crazy stuff that, that's coming out. Um, and he, and he says the problem with this is not the vehicles in which we're trying to find love um, or, you know, that modernity is moving, uh, you know, the modern age is moving us in this direction. But it's the fact that the goal is to eliminate risk mm. and to make to hedge our bets and yeah. to make our bets a little bit more sure. Mm. Yep. Um, but he says, you know, we actually shouldn't fear risk, that that is um, incredibly integral to the process of love and finding love and falling in love. And he says that it's an adventure, this idea of risk-taking in the pursuit of love or in finding love, because the book's called In Praise of Love. So the whole book is about a defense of love. Um, And he says, it's an adventure that, you know, um, we're ultimately led away from the obsession with ourselves, you know, Mm -hmm. as we, as we pursue, pursue love. And not that, you know, to get a little bit biblical here, um, it's it's really kind of a fine line when you think about love and romantic love and relational love, love and marriage. But it doesn't just have to be like romantic love. It can be any love. It's that fine line between those biblical principles of self-sacrifice and self-preservation, mm-hmm. but like also trying to self-care in the middle of it and, you know, yeah. just just keep that balance. And so you know, I think when philosophers like Badu and Orvat, when they talk about kind of moving away from the obsession with ourselves, it actually leads us back to a better version of ourselves, kind mm-hmm. of where we're made whole in community in a way that we can never be by ourselves. And it's not a matter of romantic love making us whole. It's love, period. It's love and community. It's relationality. It's mutuality um, making, making us whole, um, which is also... <laughs> 
biblical. Right. <laughs> I was just going to say, so, like, you... Not that I'm so bible but these themes no, are there. You, so. You're just so gifted. You, you would have been an amazing pastor. Not that you... <laughs> You you know that's you can't still do that, but you you have. I feel a like if you pass through people in a sense. But, yeah, you know. well, you're definitely you're definitely taking us to a form of church right now, and I am just so here <laughs> for it. I, I I really I appreciate it, but cool. I I love how you're talking about like the vehicles to finding someone because growing up in church. Um, you had to find someone at church. You know, that's where you found, I had to find someone at youth group. And if it wasn't my youth group, it was an adjoining youth group. And so you had to find someone that was very exclusive, had to be a believer, um, you know, uh, and I think that carries on to people, even when they move into college, when they move into um, after college, postgraduate, um, into their 20s, 30s, still trying to meet someone. There's a taboo around um, meeting someone online. There's a taboo around meeting someone at a bar. Um, it's like if you don't meet at some sort of socially accepted place now, like a farmer's market or on like a double date <laughs> or something, it's like, oh, well, your your yeah. marriage is probably, it's just, to me, I feel like in evangelical circles, there, there's that assumption of, well, your marriage is probably just based around sex then. You know what I mean? If you didn't meet at some sort of like pure place, then you're you're just kind of giving into lusts of the flesh, and uh, you know you're you're you know good luck to you on that. Um, I think that's bullshit. I think that's so, I think that's such yeah. bullshit now, and I think that there are wonderful and beautiful ways for people to meet um, in in unique ways. So so I mean, what do you what do you think about this sort of like bullshit idea of like you have to meet someone in a traditional sense versus like what's open to you now? Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's like, well, first of all, it's like, what, what, what do we even mean when we say traditional sense? Because yeah. life is changing at just insanely rapid and unprecedented rates. I mean, change has always been a thing. We've always been evolving and progressing forward, but nobody can deny, um, you know, the, the speed at which things are moving in the 21st century. So even when we say, well, what do you mean? Like how we met in 2010 or, you know, whatever. But I just think that like, however you meet people, it's just such a marvel and such a miracle to even find anyone that we can connect with, like who the hell cares how, mm-hmm. how, how we do that. Um, now it's funny. I will tell you that I met my husband on a dating app. Oh, wow. And this is nuts for me. And we have just a really, really crazy story um, because I had never been on a dating app in my whole life. Mm. And um, you know, I, I think you know this about me. I was married for seven years mm-hmm. and divorced for six and in those six years, I had some really great experiences dating and in relationships. And I was living in France for a bit. I was traveling a lot through Europe. I was living south of France. And um, I just, life was, and life is still totally magical and a miracle and just amazing. And I, I met some very cool people and mm-hmm. um, we had some very cool time together and learned a lot. I was deeply in love. Um, quite a few times over and being in love is the most marvelous thing in oh, the it's whole wonderful. world. Yeah. It's wonderful. It's just amazing. And you know, it's, um, hellish business to, to be in love. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's beautiful and it's amazing. And, you know, I, I never expected, like at, at some point I moved on, you know, to a kind of a theological and philosophical and like human place in my life where I was like, okay, uh, date. And this was a huge shift right? This is a, definitely a theological shift. So it kind of comes through that, that faith journey and progression for me as well. But it's like, okay, I can date someone. I can go on a date without in my head needing 
to see if this is going to end up in marriage somewhere. Mm. And after a divorce, you know, I don't know, everyone's different. I didn't know that I ever wanted to get married again. Mm -hmm. Um, I wasn't looking to just like run around and have fun. I knew I'd be in relationships. I knew I'd be in love. But I was also like, hmm, maybe I'm the kind of person who, you know, um, is in love with someone for a time and I have this relationship and I learn and then it's over and I move on and maybe I meet someone, you know, I just didn't know. And I was really open to life and I didn't want to have it all figured out. Um, and so I just had an amazing experience of just meeting people through like random, yeah. <laughs> um, fabulous kind of very cool, magical situations. Um, and then lockdown last March and I was in California and I decided that I wanted to come to England on one of the last flights out before the travel ban and um, be with uh, Barry so that we could, we were just launching H and Co and the eight hour difference between California and London were filling our, our, yeah. our content production. And I had a flight scheduled to UK anyway, that got canceled. I was going to come here for two months. I had some travel plans. I, we were going to create content that all got canceled. I rebooked. I got another flight immediately. And I was like, all right, we're going to hunker down and um, do lockdown together. You know, and I fly by the seat of my pants. I was in the car. I shouldn't say I was texting and driving, but I kind of was. And I booked my <laughs> plane ticket like as I was driving. And I, I went home and I packed in 20 minutes and I got to the airport. Not the first time I've done that on wow. an international flight either. I'm just a little crazy like that. I, I like the rush. <laughs> yeah. Just making decisions quickly. I know anyway, you, sorry. so I'm like, I'm not surprised by that. Yeah, you're like here for us. Our so listeners sorry. are probably like, wait, she's like, <laughs> she seems like she's got everything scheduled. What does she mean she's doing this? But I'm like, yeah, oh totally. God, no, I'm, I'm like, you I'm gave yourself 20 so minutes? That's amazing. So, yeah, it's, it's good, good for me. Um, but anyway, so I was locked down with Barry, and I I'm, I can be alone. I love living alone. Um, I love my husband, but I, I like, I don't, I like sleeping alone. Like, yeah. like when I come to visit Barry, I'm like, Oh, I get my head. Um, but you know, uh, I had some girlfriends back in California and they were like, I was here for about a month and they were like, listen, you're locked down. You're doing all this stuff. Like, why don't you just get on a dating app and like, see, you know, you can just talk with people, see how it goes. You don't have to date yeah. anybody. You can't it's quarantine practice, just practice talking to guys. And That's you know, beautiful. when you come back to California and they had been telling me this for a long time. And finally one night in April, I was like, Hey, I'm just going to do it. And I met my husband <laughs> that night. Wouldn't you know it? I mean, what the fuck? Last April, my husband and I haven't, haven't known each other a year. Wow. Um, we decided we wanted to get married like three months into our relationship. Um, we got officially engaged three months after that. And we were married less than two months after. So, and I'm not this kind of person. Like I'm usually kind of a commitment phobe. I'm a bit of a free bird and I just like my freedom. and I. Um, any person I've dated since my divorce over six years ago has always been a long distance relationship. I just like it that way. Mm -hmm. Um, but then you have that moment where your world just cracks open and it's just, everything is aligning and you're like, I love you. You're my person. You're my human. I want to do life with you. Let's just do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, sorry. Sometimes I don't know what sparked that. <laughs> oh, it was the, the online, the online dating. Yeah, I'm thing. talking about different um, avenues of meeting people. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? About how it's yeah. bullshit to try to, you know, you have to do a meet cute. Like, you fucking don't. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You don't have to do a meet cute. You can just meet someone, have a connection, and it can just be that simple. And I think kind of, you know, tying this into what we've been talking about, it's that understanding of love, which you lost, you know, love, which I think sometimes you have to lose to really understand, you know? Um, 
I don't talk about this a lot on the show, but Jen and I are actually going through a really tough time right now, and um, we're not sure if we're going to make it. And I'm learning that I didn't actually know a lot about love until I really fucked it up. And I've yeah. like fucked up our relationship to a point where I don't know if I can get it back. Yeah. And now I'm understanding love. And it's like, wow, that's f- that makes me mad, <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, yeah. that I had to lose it. But But in your situation, you know, I think it's so great for our listeners to hear about how you were opening yourself up to love because we actually do have a decent amount of listeners who are are women. Mm. So I think women hearing about a woman who's able to open herself back up to love and loving again and being free to that after going through something really hard is beautiful for our audience. So I I love that you were able to do that. And, um, you know, I just think that... uh, it's a testament, though, to what we were talking about, like always be in therapy, right? Like that's yeah. like a- ABT, always be, yeah. you know, therapizing, yeah. you know, always be in yeah. therapy um, because that helps you get back to your foundation when you have things rattled, you know, yeah. and, you're, you're and I did. I just, apart. Yeah. And just so you know, and the listeners know, I, I was in almost two years of therapy around the end of my marriage yeah. and right after my I mean, you just have to. You just have to find ways of healing yourself, even if you mm-hmm. don't know where you're you're broken. Right. You're beat up after that, even totally. if you can't name it or articulate it. So totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I I would agree with you. I would say when I got married, I was 24. Um, and I think I met my first husband, my ex-husband, whatever, um, when I was 22 and just out of college. And I didn't know anything about love. And I went to an evangelical charismatic Bible college. It was called university, but it was a Bible college. And, you know, I mean, I mean, that's that's the formula. I mean, you know, it's practically freshman orientation, you know? Yeah. And and I mean, I prided myself on like the fact that I wasn't one of those girls who like met their husband at college or like got engaged. I didn't didn't want to do that. And he didn't go to college with me, which, which was good. But like, I will say that I was nobody is equipped to make a decision about a life partner at that age. And in that life situation. Um, and when you're in that realm of Christianity, which I would argue really well is toxic and damaging. Um, and I would agree with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, you're, you're basically taught to rely on this interventionist personal construct of God for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so you kind of follow whatever that leading is or looks like in your, and so it's just, it's feeling around in the dark and it never equals following your heart. It never equals because our flesh is bad and what we think is bad. And if, if we desire it, it must be bad. So go where your desires are right. <laughs> and maybe you might find God in your life. It's just also fucked up. You know, I mean, you've, you've been that, like, you know, how, you know how that is. Um, I would say as a general rule. And I don't have a lot of rules for life and I don't have a lot of rules for love. But I would say as a general rule, if you are young in your 20s and if you are going through major life transition, if you're deconstructing your faith, if you just had a traumatic thing happen to you, if you're feeling a little lost, like it's not a time to be making major decisions about mm-hmm. life, love and marriage. It just isn't. And that was that was my that was my mistake. Yeah. No, I I think that's a very sound observation and and obviously a testament to work to be able to identify like oh yeah this is where I went wrong and I think for me um 
and, and I and I don't want to say like a lot of guys are like this, but again, I think it's important for our listeners to hear, especially younger ones, that I went through a like oh shit moment when I graduated college. Was like oh shit, I'm about to graduate college. Now what? So I moved to New York, right? And great, then, I love it. <laughs> yeah. So then I, I was in New York for a year, and I spent all of my money and capped all of my credit cards out, and had and was like well shit now what you know what i mean so i had to move back home and you know got out of debt and then came and moved to la you know and then i moved to la and then i got into seminary and so it was kind of like i always kept putting these things in front of me to say well i'll get but they were all i was just kind of like acting like van wilder you know what i mean like i just mm-hmm. didn't want to face up to the fact that the real world was coming out there and in the way that i grew up what the real world part of what included the real world was a wife and kids and i was yeah. just not ready for a wife and kids you know even in my 30s i just i did i didn't i wasn't ready i i didn't know what to even prepare for and and again i think a lot of this had to do with how i grew up them saying well you have to reach these certain milestones at a certain point or else you're not you're not successful you know and yeah. I think even even worse was as I was sort of like, okay, well, I guess I got to get these things as I was getting them. People were like, hey, good job. You know, you're doing the right thing. You're settling down. You're having a family. And I'm kind of getting affirmation. But again, I'm not following my heart. My intuition and my gut is telling me, no, I think there's something not quite right about this, you know? Um, And so, you know, I guess I think it's so important we kind of keep going back to this theme of like understanding yourself and and really when you when you understand what your heart's your true heart's desire is and you ignore that man you're not loving yourself in that moment and it's really hard to then move into an, another loving um relationship because you know when part of being in a loving relationship there is a bit of sacrifice that goes into being totally. a loving relationship and If you aren't able to give that sacrifice, it's going to be hard for you and your partner, you know? So, um, so again, I just think that foundation of loving yourself and understanding what love is for yourself is really important, uh, in order to to move into successful relationships, like later parts in your life. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. Um, yeah, I mean, when I, when I think back on, on my first marriage, I, I feel like I did have some of those moments that you describe of just kind of those alarms going off, but I was mm-hmm. so young and I was so, I wasn't even caught up. I wasn't one of those girls who was like wedding, marriage, yeah. this, that. I wasn't that. Um, I mean, we had a big wedding. I'm in New York. I'm from a big Italian family. We had that, but <laughs> I wasn't one of those girls. It was mostly like, we're part of this big community of people who love us. Um, you know, our families are already entwined and this is just moving. And I, I felt very powerless to, to stop it. And to be honest, um, it's funny, this, this came up in a, in an interview I did a couple months ago. Um, and I've really only started saying it it publicly because I don't know, it's not a difficult thing for me to admit, but I think it would be difficult for some people to hear Mm -hmm. (laughs) me admit it, Mm -hmm. who will maybe um, be listening to, to this podcast. But um, I knew right away that I had made a, a big decision right, right after, like literally after we got married, um, I knew, and I just thought, okay, well, there's no way I can get a divorce. So I'm going to figure out other ways to fill up my life. I'm going to travel. I'm going to educate myself. I'm going to have friends. I'm going to, 
you know, have a glittery life and just find other ways of, of, um, uh, I guess not being devastated that, um, I had missed out on mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> marrying someone that I, I, I really wanted to, to be married to because as amazing. And, and my ex-husband is a great guy. He's a, a really great guy. And a lot of people were shocked when I wanted to divorce him because they didn't know how unhappy we were. Mm-hmm. And all they saw was, Oh my God, Maria must be crazy that she's, yeah. but it was yeah. just like, you're, you're great. You're really great. I just, I'm not in love with you and I'm not happy. I've been doing this for seven years and it is killing my soul. And like, that was the moment where I really had to be like, okay. Um, because you know, at this point I'm still working out my Christianity, you know, Mm -hmm. this was quite, you know, several years ago at least. And it got to that point where it was like, okay, so this whole biblical theme of self-sacrifice and dying so that someone else can live and laying down your life, or I'm literally going to like lay down my life. Like Mm -hmm. this will kill me you know? And so just finding like, okay, there, there, it's also biblical to preserve yourself and to look after yourself and to look after, you know, what scripture calls, you know, our, our bodies and our temples. And I never referenced my body as a temple. It's so weird, but it just popped <laughs> in my head. So I just, you know, I, I let it flow out of my mouth, but you know, it was like, okay, there's definitely a balancing act here. And anything that tells me that I have to stay in this uh, is not right. and is not okay. Um, and so speaking about love and speaking about risk, that was a massive risk for mm-hmm. me, even though it was ending a love and ending a time. I risked it so that the loving relationship I had with myself could respark and reinvent, and I could feel that again. And that maybe I truly would have what I had always dreamed about, which is having like the fullness of love in a romantic relationship, yeah. um, which I also do and have. So, and you deserve that right? You deserve to experience the fullness of love. Like we all do. Yeah. We all do. Yeah. And I think one of the, one of kind of like the bullshit sort of gender roles that was accepted, um, for me growing up was that men were entitled to experience love and have love, but women, it was kind of just, you're just supposed to take whatever's given to you and just be thankful. You know what I mean? That was almost the message. It was like, you just, if a guy loves the narrative of the desperate single woman. Yes, exactly. Right. It was like, you don't want to end up like a Mary or a Martha. Do you, you know what I mean? (laughs) You know, I mean, that was like, that was the narrative. Right. So it was like, men, you, you just love based on God. Oh God told me I God said I'm gonna marry you right you know what I mean and so women like well okay you know what I mean but like God didn't tell me that shit you know what I mean like that's you probably what you're thinking in your head right so yeah so there there are these gender there's these gender roles that are given to us in love too which is fucked up and I think um we, we're supposed to be the receiver exactly like yeah. men are the givers women yeah. are the receivers and that's that's really fucked up because as you said you know you kind of realize like okay i made this decision but i can't get a divorce i can't leave mm-hmm. this guy i can't because why well there's a lot of reasons but one big one would people people would be like well you're it's your fault you're you're a bad person and it's got to be something that's wrong with you and you're flawed and, and that all happened, by the way. I had oh, to like man. live through and go through all of that. It's so and unfair. So you you have to also decide that you're going to be brave in the face of anything. Mm, yeah. And you have to already go into it knowing this is going to be lonely. Yeah. Um, but like, oh God. So when I served my ex-husband divorce, I've, I've, I never cried over my divorce. I want by the time 
I was serving. I wanted so out of that marriage. I was just, I just wanted out. But I knew that that moment was going to be one of the most painful things I'd ever yeah. experienced because I knew I was going to feel his pain. Yeah. And I did. And it was really hard. But I, I kind of mustered up all the bravery I had. And I walked into our apartment and I gave him these papers. And I just thought, okay, if I can just get through, it's going to be five minutes. I'm just going to just, I have to make this moment short. If I can just get through this moment in five minutes, I will be back out the door on the sidewalk, walking to my car. And I will never be in that moment again. Like you have to yeah. think about, okay, five minutes, 10 minutes five days, five months, you know, and that's how I got through that time. So I was like, okay, if I could just muster up bravery to get through this one day. I know in 30 days from now or in 60 days from now, um, that myself then will be sort of thank, you know, mm -hmm. like even this moment now, it's like, I couldn't have planned how my life would go over the last several years since my divorce, but I got that divorce so that I could be living the life that I am living now, which is exactly the life that I want to live in, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's that giving up one thing to gain something else, right? It's, it's yeah. again, we'll go biblical. It's losing your life in order to gain it, right? Giving, yeah. up, giving up that really hard thing in order to get that one thing, right? And, and I think that's, um, that's part of having faith in, in sort of being a Christian that, I think makes a lot of people not want to actively practice that faith, you know, or say that they are a Christian, but never really experience truly that relationship. Um, because whether you want to say your husband is a gift from God or whatever is mm -hmm. TBD, um, yeah. but you made the decision to go through that really hard path. And, you know, just like Job, Job went through really hard stuff. And for some reason, at the end of it, God saw favor on Job and blessed Job again, right? And so, again, not to say that when you go through that, you will automatically be blessed. But it is biblical that when you go through hard things and you continue to love yourself along the path and you don't give up on that love for yourself and, your, and that love for God, if you believe in God or whatever this higher power you believe in. And if you yeah. don't believe in a higher power, if you're kind of a universalist and listen to the show... Do it for your fucking in, self. Do it for your fucking <laughs> self, right? Like, then do it for your soul, yeah. right? Do it for your yeah. own entity that's going to be stronger you at the end of it. Yeah. You know, um, 20th century theologian Schubert Ogden um, defines faith as that life is worth the living of it. Very simple. He says, faith is simply saying that life is worth the living of it. And, you know, if you really do have faith that life is worth the living of it, and you can live with that kind of you know, sense of alchemy and magic spin around you and lean in, having faith that it will lean right back. It does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, even if it's, it, and it doesn't always look, you know, the way you imagine it might look, or, you know, you can never really kind of suspect, but if you can have a dream and if you can muster up some bravery, and if you can somehow still believe in love, even when things have been crushed, you know, mm -hmm. um, no matter what kind of love it is, that usually you know, will, will prevail if you can keep yourself from getting too jaded, too bitter. And it's hard. Um, mm -hmm. It's not, not for the faint of heart, certainly, but usually life, life work like that. Yeah. Well, I love talking to you about this because we both have um, just kind of like fiery passions for, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, being connected to other people. You know, yeah. I, I really identify with your work because you are just not afraid to talk about how something gets you really fiery and really turned on and really in a, in a really passionate way. And yeah. that's why I think um, 
it's cool to talk with you about love because again, this sort of shared experience that people have with love, I think oftentimes we forget that love is really something that draws out so many of our other things, right? Like even if we've had a loss of love romantically, I mean, we've been talking about love a lot in a romantic sense, which is, I think is awesome. But you can also, um, something that I think is really beautiful that's coming about nowadays is not only just um, like platonic love between people, but people just Mm -hmm. loving inornate things, people just finding love in things that they connect with, which is, is so, people find so weird and so abnormal. But I think it's a return to something that we've always done. We've always found love in icons, we've always found love in in sort of inornate objects that have been blessed by things, and so I think in a way, um, opening our minds back up to allowing people to find love in unique places, will hopefully help us to understand maybe more of this love and kind of like this post 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 whatever world that we're living in right now. I don't I don't know. That's yeah. that's sort of my sort of idealistic hope for things. Yeah. No, I, I agree. In in some ways, it does feel a little post-love. Right? It? Yeah, kind of in a little bit. Yeah. 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 And, and I think that's why books like the ones I mentioned by Orvat and Badu are, are, you know, getting any kind of traction at all. And they're not the only ones, but it's just they're, they're the two that I decided to talk about today. Um, is because people really need to need new directions and need to know where to go now with love. You know, we have mm-hmm. the Disney fairy tale love. We have religious paradigms of love. You know, we have old Hollywood love. Um, we have codependence codependent love you know we have all these different weird not always healthy you Mm -hmm. know versions of of love and i think as you know we're seeing kind of new generations with new values you know millennials and elder millennials young millennials you know now gen gen z with just a whole nother set of values um all based around digitality and social awareness and activism and justice i think love um, and certainly romantic love is going to look really different. Um, and, and you know, part of that is like the constructs that held romantic love are changing. So, uh, you know, life is not working 30 years to retirement and having the mortgage and the white picket fence and the two and a half kids and the car in the garage and the vacations. And, you know, it, 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 people aren't staying at, at jobs that long and people don't want mortgages that, you know, are weighing them down because they want money for other things like to travel and to experience life. And so values are shifting all across the board in every category. So it'll be really interesting to see um, how love and how romantic love develops, you know, under these conditions. But I'm sure it will because it's, it's the oldest and you know, best thing in the world. So. Yeah. I mean, it's truly stood the test of time, you know, um, yeah. I think we've there's been drawings of love in some of the earliest cave paintings you know um the the loving people it's it's biblical right you know um it started some believe with god loving people you know god loving creation god loving all of creation um there's an origin of love that i think keeps us trying to sort of chase the other side of the rainbow and to find the pot of gold, you know, to try to find this ever loose, which is, I think, why love songs will never go out of style. You know, I, I'm i a songwriter. I like, I'm an emo songwriter. And, um, I, you know, a while back, I, I stopped writing songs and I just was like, because no one, I was like, no one's ever going to want to just listen to 
just love songs and seven. And then um, a few years later, there's this guy, you may have heard of him. His name's Ed Sheeran. Um, he made an entire <laughs> career writing love songs, right? Like that's the whole guy's career is just songs about love. Right. And so um, it's, it's what people write entire albums about. It's what people write books about. It's what people are obsessed about. We will make movies endlessly about love and it will always sell. It's always something that we are looking for and striving for. And I think it's because love is evolving. It's always changing, you know, like gender now, gender is changing. Um, accepted forms of love are going to change, you know? And, and I think instead of being afraid of that, we should really be um, so excited that we have an opportunity to participate in sort of ushering in a new uh, way to love or a new yeah. loving yeah. something, you know what I mean? Wh whatever, whatever it looks like, whatever you want to call it, but it's, but it's, um, it's for everybody, you know, it's universal. It is absolutely. Um, and just to kind of go back to Horvat um, that I quoted in the beginning, it's, it's a crack in the usual running of things. And I just love that, that it disrupts business as usual. Mm -hmm. Like love should always shake things up. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah. it should always kind of agitate a little bit sort of the status quo of, I mean, think about when you, when you find love um, and when love starts to, to bud or bloom or whatever you want to say about it. Like it, it, it messes with your life. It, it shakes things up. It reframes things. Um, it changes things. It, I mean, it forced me to, not force me, but you know, I had to move countries and mm -hmm. yeah. uh, make some changes, you know, in my life. And, um, you know, that's it, it, that's what it does. It disrupts, but it also makes us better. Yeah. Um, and that is the point. And so if you have love in your life and it's not making you better and it's not making things better, if it's doing the opposite of that, it needs to be really reexamined, I would think. And I think one of the big myths about love is kind of the star cross tragic narrative. Totally. Um, yeah. I don't know if you do Enneagram stuff at all. Mm, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So this is like totally a number four, you mm -hmm. know, and I'm mm -hmm. disintegrated for just kind of the, the tragic lover. Um, and, and somehow we kind of, you know, buy into the narrative of like, oh, it's such a, a you know, sorted, you know, love affair. And I'm just kind of caught up in it. And we're just addicted to each. It's like, mm -hmm. no, like, words like a, addictive and obsession and can't live without and you know i really i reject those phrases and i reject those narratives and um yeah. i i love i love my husband very much i think he's just the most perfect man i've ever met and i have a deep uh deep love for him and i just feel like the luckiest woman to be married to him but you will never find me uh using phrases like you are my world and you are my everything and i can't live without you because yeah. those things aren't true. And I don't want him to use them about me either. Right. Yeah. Well, it puts, you know? it puts some pressure on you. It's like, wait, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like, wait, what do you mean? What do you mean? Like, like you were just saying, like, you like your space. You like some freedom. Yeah. You know, you like to <laughs> go and travel for a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to need to do that. And that's how he can love you, you know? Um, that's part of what loving you looks like, you know? And I think um, 
you know, for people who are wondering, you know, okay, y'all have talked about love and a lot of these are things that are like, how the fuck do I love somebody? You know, how do I, how do I actually love someone? Um, I mean, we can't tell you that. We can't tell you how to love your person. I think the thing that we would, uh, that we've suggested so far is like, love yourself, go to therapy, love yourself yeah. and start yeah. from there. You know, because it's, there's nobody else that's gonna make you whole. You have to. You cannot bring yeah. a broken self into no. a relationship. That's not mutuality. No, no. So love starts with loving yourself, understanding what love is, and then figuring out what, how you want to bring that love into someone. And the beautiful thing is, you can decide, right? Decide. You can decide. Yeah. I was told you have to get, you have to love someone biblically, which means you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to do all these things. Well, it also didn't there's a lot of things that that left out i was like oh that's it i just have to do kind of like these five or six things and that's loving my wow. my wife my family biblically well that seems yeah. really easy that the, the list is a lot longer than five things and also like depending on who your partner is like that list might not fit them right wow. so loving someone biblically for me in my context didn't work out could i use some of those principles like honoring her and those things absolutely but like getting my wife to be submissive like fuck that like I, you know jen i mean that'd be like wrestling an alligator like i'm just not gonna do it you know what well, i mean it's i just wouldn't not... even say that that's biblical that's that's yeah. a that's a use that's a that. misuse that's a misuse but someone yeah. someone for years people have said that was biblical right oh, so sure. so so the pushback biblical on that i've role. never said that but the but but like that's that fucked up gender role thing right that was just like yeah. no no so that's the whole thing though like i remember someone I remember being in seminary, you know, um, no, I wasn't in seminary. I was, uh, I was in a job interview, excuse me. And someone asked me like, do you believe in these things? And one of the things was like a submissive, do you believe in having like a submissive wife? And I, I literally laughed and I was like, oh, you're serious? I mean, obviously <laughs> I didn't get the job, but like, I love you laugh. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's just, it's just one of those things. Like those are the outdated false gender roles that were applied to me as a young man as to what love and what a loving man would look like that I had to spend thousands of dollars of my own money in therapy to to sort of peel back right because you don't need to apply those things to your life to love someone and in fact those are the in my opinion the opposite of loving someone yeah oh you yeah know what i mean the, the, the so, yeah. so the, the, the thing, the point that I'm trying to make is the framework that you apply to loving someone starts from within. I think you build that framework with loving yourself from within. And then this idea of finding the one, I yeah. don't know, I, I'm more about attracting people. That's kind of my philosophy is you attract, you attract I mean, people based on what you, the energy you put out. So yeah, there, there are billions know. of in the world it's just a preposterous idea that there's like one person there are better people for you than other people totally but you can love a lot of people you can love a and lot i of i've i've been in love you know quite a few times over over the last you know i'm glad that it stopped with simon you know who I'm, I'm glad <laughs> right. that he was right. the last man that i'm you know gonna love and be but um it, it, it's it's just so limiting to yeah. to say that so um and and i will also say this like for for people who are of a Christian persuasion who are listening to this, um, you know, don't look to the Bible for examples of romantic love. Like, in, it, 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 come on, like we're we're talking about a document that's anywhere from between you know five thousand to like 
1900 years old. Like that's the span that we're working with from like Genesis mm-hmm. to Revelation. And um, it's just impossible mm-hmm. <laughs> to, and it's silly and it's stupid. And if you want to be fun about it, and if you want to talk about sex and eroticism and go to Song of Songs or whatever, like, okay, fine. Um, <laughs> it, but um, there, there's just, like when people talk about like biblical marriage, it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Like th- it's just, there's just no way. Like we look at scripture, we see marriage as property. We see it as transactional. Um, we see it as very um, utilitarian. They with love practical man. Life. Yeah. It, it, there's just, there's no way we can lift a framework from that and move it into the 21st century and drop it onto our life. And we take principles of honoring people and lifting up someone else above yourself and putting, you know, someone else. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But there's, there's no, there's no biblical blueprint for this. So when people start talking to you about like biblical marriage and biblical mandates, biblical this, just be like, fuck off. Yeah. yeah, Like, no, no, no. (laughs) Fuck all that shit. That's, 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 that's that's going to turn into an abusive conversation. Yeah. um, And a toxic really, really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I think that's great. Well, I, uh, I could talk with you for hours about this, I know, um, <laughs> which is, which is so fun. Uh, but I think I'll, I'll kind of end with asking one question. I didn't really pre- prep you for this. So, okay. you know, take a minute, but like, I kind of like being put on the spot. Yeah. Well, you're good at it. That's why I feel comfortable asking you. Like if someone were to tell you like, no, Maria, I've given up on love. I've given up on love unless you can convince me otherwise, what would you do in that situation? Would you convince them or what would you say? God, that is so tough. Cause I'm so done being an evangelist for anything. I just don't care. Like if, if someone wants to give mm. up on something, that's really narcissistic. Um, mm. So I'm just like, okay, then you're missing out and it's your problem, you know? Yeah. Um, but I also have compassion because if someone's there that they're giving up on, they've, they've gotten to a place where um, they've just been so beaten down and so hurt. Um, but you know, it's, it, for me, it's like when someone says, I'm just giving up on Christianity, I've just had such bad experiences in church and, and all this. And, um, you know, I just, I don't like God anymore. God and I, I heard recently, you know, someone told me God and I are on a sub basis. I'm like, <laughs> fuck off. Like you are so fucking narcissistic. I'm just so over this. I don't want to hear this anymore. I don't yeah. care. Um, yeah. you know, so I think like, no matter how many bad experiences we, we have with uh, you know, whatever construct we're kind of working in. Um, I think it's just so important to keep your heart open. And if you're getting to the place where you're getting really beat up in something, take a fucking break. Yeah. Like you don't have to be dating. You don't have to be looking for love the whole time. You don't have to, you know, just take a break. And I hate, I really, I have a love hate relationship with the term self care, but do practice some self care, do what you need to do to like feel those life feelings again. You know, like for me, this, this lockdown, I, you know, it's funny cause I'm, I'm a newlywed and I love my husband and it's just been such a beautiful time for us, but I get life from traveling. And before lockdown for years, I was averaging places in Europe, like every three months, I was just free mm-hmm. enough to do that and uh, solo. So going to a new city, sitting at a cafe, watching the world go by, having a cafe, you know, like that for me was a life force. Like I could just kind of swoop, like just feel the force kind of like running through my back. Like find that force that like brings you life again, heal up and, and then, you know, keep, keep going because, you know, 
people who it's like, I don't know, I, I feel bad saying this because I, I don't want to make a blanket statement because I don't know like how bad someone's been hurt or used and abused or whatever. But like you get one life, you get one fucking life. Mm-hmm. So to say that I'm so disappointed with life that I'm going to give up on this love thing, like, okay, but you're going to die soon. And then <laughs> this is all going to be over and done. And, um, you know, um, there's free will in that choice, but is it the right one? Yeah, I, I don't think it's ever a, the right choice. That'd be a proverbial, that. that'd be like a hypothetical, I would say. Yeah, you can make that choice, but is it the right your, It's giving up on yourself and it's giving up on life. Yeah. Because if you're like, I'm closing this huge door to all of this, and then it's like, you're just going to be walking around with a really, really big. Yeah. Forever. Man, so. that's beautiful. Gosh, thanks so much for talking to me about love. This was so much fun. You're, you're such a joy. Uh, this is such a fun topic. I'm going to put links to all of the amazing things that you do. We didn't get to touch a ton on what you do. We mentioned H&Co a little bit, um, but I'm going to put links to all of this stuff in the show notes. So make sure you check out Maria's work. And just thanks so much for having a fun conversation with me about love. Um, it's, uh, again, a topic that, gosh, it's so fucking exhausting, but we are all searching for it, experiencing it. It's a shared experience. So thank you for sharing your experience with us. Absolutely. Anytime, Ryan. It was such a great and fun conversation. All right, friends. Well, there you have it. Thank you for tuning into this special bonus episode. Happy Valentine's Day to you all. Happy Valentine's Day to Maria and her new husband. Hope they are enjoying the day today. Um, You know, this was definitely an interesting conversation about love. We covered love from a lot of different angles. And as I mentioned in the show, we were talking about love from a romantic um, angle. And and both Maria and I are uh, heteronormative, cisgendered individuals. So uh, we are definitely talking about love from that perspective. Um, But, you know, love is, uh, as we said, in the show love is open uh it's free it's a shared experience something that everyone encounters so uh would love to hear about your experiences with love if you have a great experience with love or a tough experience of love that you're working through send us a dm you know let us know about your experience would love to uh just kind of encourage you through that um and if you would love to you know talk to me about it let's do it i would love to have you on the show so uh thank you so much to maria uh coming up again this week we will have our regular scheduled episode with barry taylor and we're going to be talking about curse words and the art of swearing and how swearing, well, everybody does it. So uh, I really enjoyed talking with Barry, so I hope you enjoy that episode. Now, why don't we let the Deep West take us out? I raise my glass to you. Cheers. Cheers.